beginning a, um, a new series uh, called Prescription Church. And uh, if you want to put the thing up there uh, in my keynote. Um, basically, you know, we all prescribe uh, different things f- for each other. And, you know, sometimes if, I, if I'm super tired and I say I want to veg, I will prescribe for myself a basketball game to watch, or I'll prescribe for myself something. Well, God has prescribed something for us uh, called church, a church body. And so what we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks is why go to church? And um, if you have, uh, we had our zero service last night, and uh, that has just turned into, I mean, no offense, but it's actually my favorite service that we have. And second service, of course, but um, no, it, it's, it, we remove these, ta- these chairs and we have coffee tables and we have 30 minutes of worship. And, you know, when we first started it, the idea, we thought it was going to be like edgier, you know, like, but it's, it's really turned into a really sweet, intimate time of, of, of just worship. And then we have 30 minutes of the word, uh, worship, then 30 minutes of teaching, and then we have 30 minutes of just discussion. And because it's a, it's a smaller group, we can, we can engage in discussion. And so last night we were talking about why do we go to church? What's the point? I mean, really... Everything we had here this morning, you can get, I can, you can get better teaching on the radio, right? You can't get better worship, but okay. But you, you can get close to it, you know, on the fish or whatever. Like, what is it about church? And uh, the, our last series was really about becoming independent in our faith. You know, like, um, we, we, it was the pastor's dead, now what? And we were talking about how... We all have these people in our lives that encourage us, that spur us on, that we look up to, that we think, man, if that person were out of my life, what would my faith look like? And the idea behind that series was just, look, you got to own your own faith. You have to learn how to feed yourself, how to grow up. And so what we talked about was this idea that the Bible speaks of this path of maturity. And in the beginning, we're infants and we're dependent and what we talked about in that last series was becoming independent. To not, not, not have our faith resting on someone else's shoulders, but that we actually own it ourselves, that we're actually responsible for ourselves. Now this series, we're going to go, there's actually another step of maturity. It's, it's um, dependence, independence, and then this third step. And that's what we're going to be talking about. It was funny that it turned out to be... Um, on the fourth, you know, Independence Day is tomorrow, and uh, we're talking about moving past independence. I, I think, in some ways, uh, you know, America is the greatest country in the, in the world, as far as I'm concerned. I know we have wacky politicians and stuff, but they're just weird. But, but I mean, the idea that we can we can freely sit here and talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I can say Jesus all day long, right? We could easily be in a country where that's not, that's not the case. We're just so blessed. I hope tomorrow as you celebrate Independence Day, uh, when we got rid of from the clutches of those evil uh, English people, uh, that, that you celebrate the freedom that we have. I mean, freedom, that's like uh, how diverse we are as a nation, culturally, with uh, different ethnicities. And it's just, it's just beautiful. But I think in some ways, we've kind of let the pendulum swing out. 
so that our independence is like the champion. We, have, we know all our rights. We never want to be wronged. We have our own stuff. We don't want messed up. And if it gets messed up, we're going to sue. We have this life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, this, this kind of sense of entitlement, it seems to me, that we've kind of pushed towards. And the Bible pushes against that and goes into this new, different level of maturity. It goes from dependence to independence to interdependence. And that's what we're going to discuss this morning. And that's what we're going to discuss over the next few weeks. What is church all about? Is it just Sunday morning where we come and we listen to unbelievably fantastic teaching? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we just listen to teaching. We look, you know, get to go. What, what is it? What does it mean to be the church? I want to show you, um, and, uh, and you can turn to Hebrews if you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. One of the things we asked at zero service last night was, um, we asked the question, why, why do you come to church? And the answers were given for accountability, for fellowship, for all these different things. I mean, this is, this is why we go to church. And then I just started sharing some of the thoughts that go through my mind in a given week. And, uh, don't be frightened, but the, <laughs> I won't share all the thoughts. I'll just share them as they relate to church. But <clears throat> is it worth having a pastor? I mean, is it, these are the questions I ask myself. So don't answer out loud, please. Uh, is, it, is it worth having a pastor? Paying some guy a salary? All those kingdom dollars? Is it, is it worth having a building? I mean, air conditioning, lights, a landscaper, a, a parking lot, and stuff that needs to be replaced. I mean, is that, is that the best way to do church, really? I mean, what if I quit this, and I went back to my old job, and then we just kind of did it at a smaller scale in a park, or at Starbucks, or like, like we got me and, and the staff, we're paying all this money, we got lights and all that. Is this really the best way to do church? What, what does it mean to be going to church, to be part of a church? What is the, 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 the essentials? And so we were talking about this at zero. I told you it was a good conversation because they came to the conclusion that no, it, it isn't worth that. And so I, I'm turning in my resignation. No, uh, but we were kind of discussing it. And we, and we said like, like, what if we sold the building? And, and let's say... Uh, we get $4 million for the building. Like, what, like, what do you do with that money? Where, do you give it to the poor? Do you, do, you, do you plant a bunch of other churches? Like, what happens? So we started talking about, I, said, I asked the question, I said, if we sold the building and we just started to do church differently, who'd, who'd go to a different church? And everybody raised their hand. Everybody raised their hand. I raised my hand, right? There's something about church that as we start engaging in this, there's something deeper that kind of pushes past all of that stuff. And then we started joking about how we'd be in the park and it would start to rain and then we'd want to find shelter. So we'd say, we got to rent a building. And then and, but a- after a bunch of years, we'd be right back where we started again, right? Because it's just the culture we're in, right? It's just the culture we're in. Well, I, I want to I wanna read this part in uh, Hebrews that's so exciting about how... Um, we go from a level of independence to a level of in- interdependence. And if you want to fill out your bulletin or your um, 
notes. The, the point I have for this morning is that God designed us to be part of something greater than ourselves. Yes, we're responsible for our own faith. Yes, we're to be independent. Yes, we're supposed to feed ourselves. If you were at home and your wife wasn't home and you don't call her up and go, I'm hungry, when are you coming home? You, 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 no, you don't do that, okay? You, can, you make yourself a If you're starving, you make yourself a sandwich. That's, that's part of maturing. That's exactly what happens, okay? So, so, so Hebrews chapter 10 is this whole thing about, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get these guys to understand they came into Christ out of Judaism and they're starting to kind of slip back into it. Like, like, like Christ paid it all, just like we sang, for their sins. But it's like, well, maybe I'll just go to the temple and get a couple sacrifices just to make sure that I, 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 I'm covered, you know. And the writer of Hebrews is going, no, no, no. What, you've got it. You've got everything because of what Christ did on the cross. And he's just kind of giving them, really, again, their I- independence. And so I, I, I just have some things out of um, chapter 10 that I wanted to read that aren't behind me. But basically, he says this. He's, he says, uh, this priest, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstools. Talking about Jesus here. And then it goes on and he's just basically saying, guys, you guys have it. You've got access to God. Watch what he says. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. If you're talking to a Hebrew and you tell him he's got confidence to enter the most holy place, only the high priest was allowed to mention that, to go in there. He says, uh, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. And he starts this long run-on sentence. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great high priest uh, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed pure with water. I mean, he's just like going, guys, you got it with Jesus access to the most holy place. I mean, talk about a declaration of independence. You are free to worship God. And then, uh, Shannon, go ahead and put this verse up. So he says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. This writer is going, look, Jesus died on the cross. Your sins are paid for. You have access to God. Now hold unswervingly to it. Now what do you think the next verse is going to be? Read your Bibles, memorize, you know, grow. You'd think it would be this kind of like, live more holy. I mean, do it. But it's not. He's like, don't just stand there in your own faith with your own access to God. The writer of Hebrews wants us to move from independence to interdependence. And watch what he says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
The baby Christian is dependent. The baby Christian comes in, the immature Christian comes into church on Sunday morning and says, what do you got for me? Actually, it's usually the baby Christian that's the most excited about Sunday morning. It's usually the independent person that's like, all right, let's hear it. I heard it all before, right? And, and, so, and so there's this, there's this dependence and then this independence and then the writer of Hebrews and almost all of scripture and almost everything you see about why we come to church and why we're a church body is interdependence. It's all about relationships with each other. And it's really interesting, these Greek words that are used uh, that we've translated uh, to uh, how to spur, on, spur one another on and let us consider. That idea of consider is let's make note of. So, so here's how it would look in your life. You, you'd, be, you'd be at work and you'd be doing your job and you would take note of how you might encourage that brother or sister in Christ at work. You take note of it. You consider. You'd think about it. That yeah, you, you're responsible for your own faith, and you're going to think about how I probably shouldn't tell my boss that to his face, and you're going to be trying to keep a check on yourself. But the mature then go, you know what? I see Joe over there is struggling with what's going on here. You know what? I feel like it's all politics and. And I'm getting sucked into it with Joe. How can I get Joe and us, how can we together say, hey, let's not enter into that politics. Let's, let's see how God can just kind of work through us in this thing. That's considering, that's making note of. It, it would be like, uh, uh, you know, texting someone or putting it on their Facebook or just thinking as you're reading through their Facebook and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna encourage them right now. Hey, you just, you just send them a letter. Interdependence. Independent Christians, it's great for a season. Congratulations for getting out of dependency. But as soon as you get there, God wants us interdependent. And so he says, let us consider. And then he uses this word, how to spur one another on. And the reason we, it's spur is because it's really provoke. How to provoke one another to love and good deeds. You ever have a buddy that you, uh, you ever work out together and, and you're doing the bench or whatever? It's just for guys, I guess. Uh, although my daughter can bench more than me. Um, and and, and they, they're trying to lift it and you're in their face and you're just like, you're a baby. You come on, you can come on. You're, and the guy's like, that's spurring one another on to love and good deeds. That's provoking them. It's jabbing them. Yeah, come on, you sissy, get it up there. Right? Well, it's kind of like that. Right? Like... Who, who's in your group where you're like, come on, man, you can do better than that. You're still dealing with this issue? Come on, let's go. You're still thinking about yourself? You're still, this is the interdependence. We need each other to be doing that. And guess what? It doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. It happens all during the week. You know what Sunday morning's for? Sunday morning is for all of us to get together. Sunday mornings are very, very important. To make it a habit to attend church is very, very important. Because it's a setting that it's like, and we'll get to it in Acts where it talks about the believers being in a temple course, but it's a setting where all of a sudden people who wouldn't normally be around each other, I don't go to your work and, you know, and you don't go to each other's work, that wouldn't normally... 
come together for a common purpose, to worship God, to be together, to be reminded that we're a family, that we're a body. And so Sunday mornings are very, very important, but you can't in a Sunday morning spur one another on. This is something that happens in small groups. It happens in, uh, at, 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 uh, in your neighborhoods. I want to read an email I got this week that was super encouraging. And uh, I didn't ask the person if I could share it, so I changed uh, the two names to Beatrice and Cletus. Um, so Beatrice, Beatrice sent me this uh, email. Uh, dear uh, Most Holy Reverend, um, is this how she, uh, uh, she, she didn't say that. Okay, is this, hey, hey, um, <laughs> which stands for holy, okay, all right. Uh, one of my staff members had asked me to teach her the 101 class. The, the 101 class is a class we have here that's kind of a, um, um, it just teaches a new Christian how to read their Bible, how to pray, um, what's giving all about, kind of all those things. Um, and uh, even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, you'll get something out of the one-on-one class, especially if you teach it. She says, uh, um, one of my staff members had asked me to teach her the one-on-one class. Praise God. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to send me the one-on-one class for the leader and student. So I can teach it here at work. I would really appreciate it if you'd send me this information. I wrote back, uh, dear Beatrice, no, I teach the one-on-one class. No, right? And then she goes on. Uh, Cletus and I have been praying about leading a small Bible study group at our home during the summer for young married couples that we know. Only one of the couples is from Living Spring. So I wrote back, no, only Living Spring. No, right? So I guess... I have two questions. One of the couples is uh, having a huge crisis in their marriage. So I'm wondering, do you know of any awesome studies that we could do on marriage? We were thinking like four or six weeks. Secondly, I would like to see the 201 class information too. Really picky. I mean, did you see how demanding she is? Uh, uh, 101 and 201. Uh, I'd like to see the 201 information too. Both the leader and the student, if you wouldn't mind sending it to my home email address. I was kind of thinking that maybe this young married group could start with a 201 class and we could discuss how we could use our strengths in marriage and how we complement each other. That is a perfect example of considering how we can spur one or another on to love and good deeds. I was wondering, I was thinking, I was pondering, hey, could I get the 101 stuff? Could I get the 201 stuff? I just want to make this very clear to everybody who's hearing my voice. If you want to teach the 101 or the 201 class, I will give you the stuff and you can take it out to your neighborhoods, to your schools. You can do whatever. You can post it on the internet. You can do whatever you want. If you're considering how you can spur one another on, we want to get you information as quickly as possible. That's it. How would your life look if you were taking another step from independence to interdependence? If you thought, well, maybe, maybe I could teach a small group. You can teach a small group. We'll help you. Usually if people don't think they can teach a small group, they're not thinking, of, they don't really know what we mean by small group. But this doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning is a celebration of all this happening during the week. So it goes on. 
uh, in Hebrews. It says, let us consider how to provoke one another, how to bug one another, how to make fun of each other. No, I'm kidding. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This idea of habit, the reason why we named the, the series Prescription Church is because um, this Greek word for habit, as some are in the habit of doing, it really means that they've, they've prescribed this. It's, it's, it's their um, sacred right. So, so in other words, this is how it would look. You've been working all week, and Sunday comes, and you're like, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not going to go to church. You're prescribing for yourself something. I just need to rest. Or I have a lot of chores. Or here's how it works in small groups that I've seen. You start in a small group and you're super stoked. Because there's just this energy that happens in small groups. It's called the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it just, as people are just kind of sharing their lives and talking, as the leader's going, and God's bringing stuff to mind. It, it, you never miss small group. And then what happens is you've had a super long week and you prescribe for yourself, I'm not going to go to small group. And, it, and just from that one time, it just starts to kind of drain off, drain off, drain off, drain off. This is what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's saying, don't neglect getting together. Don't neglect a Sunday morning. Don't neglect a Wednesday. I'm not saying this just because I'm the pastor. But we've all experienced it where you've been in a room where people are excited about the Lord. It's full. They're, they're on time. They, uh, you know, there's just an energy that, that, just, that just is encouraging to people. God says, keep going in that. Interdependent. Well, I don't, you know, if I don't show up, it's really no big deal. It is. It is. God wants us interdependent with each other. Okay? So it goes on. Let us not give up uh, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me, let me ask you this question. What group do you have where you really are kind of the church. Because Sunday morning, we can't really talk to each other, but where it's just like, hey, you know, I'm going through something. I need help. Like, what, do you have a group of people? Because what, what I'm trying to get us to understand is that Sunday morning is vitally important. It's, it, and we'll see it in, in, in the scripture. But Sunday morning, again, is a celebration of what you're experiencing outside. So I want to get you to think that there's church on Sunday and then there's church outside. Maybe it's in your school and you just have a group of people. You have lunch together and you just and you're holding each other accountable and you're spurring one another on. You're like, man, you can do it. Um, I know some high schoolers in this group that's, that that uh, send each other uh, prayer requests. They keep each other accountable. I'm reading the scripture, all that kind of stuff. Do you have that? And furthermore, are you pouring into somebody else's life? If not, if one of those two things are lacking, you are missing out on a level of maturity that goes beyond just independence. You're missing out on seeing God work in ways that you wouldn't see if you were just by yourself. One of the other ways that we miss uh, meeting together 
is uh, I've seen this happen, where, you know, you start realizing, you know, the church is just a bunch of hypocrites. I, you, know, I don't, I, you know, do I really need to go? Do I really need to be a, you know, a small group? We talk about the same thing every time, and I can't stand Mike because he's always whining about his job and, you know, or, you know what, whatever the, the deal is. You're stuck. You're stuck in immaturity. You're stuck in that independent thing. God needs you involved. He created you to be involved with something greater than yourself. And this is why we meet on Sunday morning and this is why we have small groups and this is why people are starting to teach 101 in their, in, at, at their, at their, at their uh, work. Because God leads it. Let me show you. I'm going to give you a model of the church uh, and then I'll tell you what we talked about at Zero Service. Uh, it's found in Acts. Um, let me see. Yeah, Acts chapter 2. This is the early church. Now, I want you to, I want you to see if you can kind of get in the mind of, of like a, uh, a Hebrew community. You, know, you, you kind of know everybody in the town and everything. And, and Jesus died and he rose again. And people are starting to come to Christ. And there's this, this, this energy. In verse 42, they devoted themselves... You can see the independence here. They're, they're, they're taking care of their own faith. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is what each individual person was doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Let me just explain real quickly what fellowship is. When I told you guys to sit down and I said, turn to the person next to you and say, well, what's up, you know, whatever, that's not fellowship, Okay. Coming between services, we have a long time where you can come and meet everybody. That's not fellowship. I mean, it's great. It's good. But don't mistake a half an hour on a Sunday morning for fellowship. This word for fellowship is contribution. You're contributing. They devoted themselves to contribute. And the way you contribute is to be in relationship together. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? To fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And watch what happened. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. And they gave to everyone as he had need. I asked the vision, uh, I'm sorry, the zero uh, uh, service. I said, how much of that do you see on Sunday morning? Like, how much of that is, is what we experience on Sunday morning? And, and somebody raised their hand and said, uh, no offense, but not that much. I said, I know. Because Sunday morning isn't designed for that. And, and if, if your whole faith is wrapped up in what goes on on Sunday morning, you are going to leave upset you're putting too much pressure on the people who run Sunday morning. It's interdependence. It's small groups. It's phone calls. It's Facebook. It's texts. It's spurring one another on. If you're not in that relationship, either in this church or somewhere else, you need to be. 
It's very, very important. Now, what we're going to talk about over the next five weeks is what happens on a Sunday morning and why that is important. Things we can't experience or can, but to a limited extent, of corporate worship, of um, baptisms and testimonies that we get to hear, of uh, giving to a common cause to the kingdom of God. So here's, here's what happened. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And here comes the kicker, right? This is it. This is where you're, as an independent, you're not going to get this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay. Here's what it means to move past independence. The very souls of unsaved people hang in the balance of whether or not we do our job of interdependence or not. Right? I mean, we, we, we have a Sunday morning. And to be honest, I don't like to admit this publicly, but on a Sunday morning, I'm probably more concerned with someone who doesn't know Christ than someone who's known Christ for 20 years. I, I just, I just, that's the way I think. I can't help it. But imagine if that was your small group. You started thinking about, okay, this interdependence, how, how are we going to get people saved? Or we started thinking in church, okay, h- how do we change what we do on Sunday morning to get people saved? We can grow them up. We can disciple them. We can get them into small groups and all that. But how do we get them saved? How do we introduce them to Jesus? See, I, I've, I've, I've been independent and I was a jerk, really. I, mean, I just was thinking about myself, my own spiritual growth, what I wanted. Every, and I kind of feel like, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm just a little sensitive to it because I'm a pastor, but I feel like the American church has kind of become selfish almost. And like, like consumers of like, well, I, I like this, but I don't like this, and I like that. I'm going to go to this church and this thing, and I like that. Instead of, a, instead of like a family of going, okay, through thick or thin, let's do it. Let's together, as a group, rock Garden Grove and the surrounding cities. Let's, as a family, as a group, meet together and celebrate what God's doing in our neighborhoods. Let's, when I have a a ministry moment. Let's have a line of people talking about what God's doing in their small group. That would be, wouldn't that be awesome? Let me read this verse again. Because we're not going to be the early church, okay? I, I hate to break that to you. Actually, I'm not, I don't hate to break it to you because if you're a male, you'd be dead at about 38. That was the median age. So um, don't rush to be the early church. Um, and, and then women, you can only cook and clean. So uh, uh, kosher food. Um, listen to this again. Start thinking. Let's start, start thinking outside these four walls. Let's start thinking of us, you and I, being the church outside. And then on Sunday, we come in and it doesn't matter what Sunday looks like. We're just excited to be together. Now I lost my place. Okay. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And they devoted themselves to that. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and miraculous, uh, wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was a rocking church. <laughs> Could you imagine being a part of that? Signs and wonders done by the apostles. Don't look at me. I, I can't do any signs and wonders. But I've seen them done in small groups. We had a small group in the church that uh, one of the members of the small group couldn't sleep at night, had night terrors. Had been going on for years. And that small group came into our home and we just started praying and praying. And we went through every room in that house. Just prayed over it, asked the Lord, invited the Lord into it. And she doesn't have night terrors anymore. That, that's amazing to me. You see it all the time in small groups. People praying for jobs. People praying for this. It's happening. We can't experience it on a Sunday morning, but we can come together on Sunday morning and just celebrate what we've experienced during the week. That's church. 